Does everybody know what time it is? Time to blow up those air mattresses. We need a place to stay. It's grunt work. Everybody had matching towels. Somebody went under a rock, and there they saw a podcast. But it wasn't just any podcast. It was Grunt Work, the podcast where we watch every episode of Home Improvement and then talk about it. I'm your host, Truman the Lubricant Man Caps, joined as always by Landon the Barbecued Grasshopper Man Solano. (laughs) And Landon, tonight we're going to make you earn that nickname because we have a whole platter of barbecued grasshoppers. Now, this is a very interesting... uh, uh territory for me because i'm a vegetarian yes um but i've never had to qualify insects (laughs) into my diet so i don't know if that technically counts as vegetarianism or not i appreciate that you let it get to the point of being a moral quandary and didn't just just say no to it flatly (laughs) at at the outset i went to i went to a restaurant with a friend once where they a mexican place where they had grasshoppers and stuff on the menu and she made a big deal about wanting to order a side of grasshoppers and i Mm -hmm. said okay fine you i'm not going to eat them you pay for it (laughs) she tried one and said oh this is really bad and i'm like yeah well that's why i don't eat bugs (laughs) Bugs. 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 Um, Yeah, I can think of probably, you know, 15 other reasons why I don't eat bugs, but that, you know, would be on that list if I were in that situation. Yeah, vegetarian (laughs) at the top of it, though. Uh, Landon, how are you? Uh, I'm good. One thing uh, that I thought was kind of interesting this week. Yes. um, uh, maybe our podcast is a little, maybe not cursed is the right word, but I, I would um, take I would take cursed. Sometimes I feel cursed <laughs> twice now since doing this podcast. This is equating to once per season. Yes, there has been a national Detroit landmark sports related uh, taken down. Um, you know, remember Joe Lewis was taken yeah, yes, down last I, season. Yes, I cried um, and yeah, I, I wept. Silverdome was demolished this week. Oh. No. Uh, <laughs> Not on the first t- uh, try, but the second try. Wait, it took them two tries to blow up a building? How hard is that, man? Well, they, they claim that uh, it was built a little too well. So <laughs> when they put the first uh, detonation of all the, you know, whatever, through the steel beams, um, didn't uh, didn't go through them. Well, they should have used jet fuel. Of course, well, jet fuel can't <laughs> melt steel beams, yeah. so maybe that was their right. problem. They needed liquid conspiracy. <laughs> In order to melt through the steel beams. Anyhow, <laughs> L- Liquid Conspiracy, the new fragrance by Ralph Lauren. <laughs> um, the second time uh, was a success. Silver Dome is no more. Oh, no. R.I.P. Now it's just a dead dome. <laughs> it is. Uh, was it made out of real silver? Because Detroit well, has so much money to yeah, throw in this building right? stadium. That's why it was made metals. so well. Actually, isn't silver a, a pretty soft soft metal so i think that that would be a pretty bad well i know that gold is a soft metal and i don't mm. want to lump silver in with it like because i feel like silver it's like a marsha 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 <laughs> situation silver is always getting overshadowed by the more popular precious yes, metal gold right so i don't want to make that call right yeah. now for we're fear. not gonna silver shame yeah <laughs> silver uh. shame is a superhero <laughs> I think he shames people for being old. Maybe that's it. <laughs> or he sa- shames Silver Age of Comics characters. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Uh, how are you, Truman? I am well. I had I had a moment recently also that made me uh, think of, of the stuff that we do here. Okay. Something that I've mentioned, I think, on this podcast before is that I have a girlfriend. It's very strange. I know. It caught me off guard. <laughs> the uh, fact that you have a girlfriend is strange, not your relationship. No, no. My relationship... No, the fact that my relationship <laughs> is functional and happy is what's so strange about it. I'm, I'm 
Because I, I before before I was Truman the lubricant man, I was Truman the dysfunctional relationship man. <laughs> anyway, uh, per per my strangely functional relationship, uh, I went with my girlfriend to a memorial dinner for her recently deceased grandfather down mm. in Orange County recently at a Marie Callender's, and uh, so you know we it's just a bunch of maybe thirty relatives sitting around uh, sitting around at uh, tables talking about uh, her grandfather who's died. Yes. And at one point, uh, her dad gets up. He's kind of the MC of the night and says, "Okay, I just wanted to open up the floor. If anybody else here." Has anything they want to say about our grandfather? Uh, now is your chance. Please, we welcome you to do it. And so one of her great uncles gets up. He's a man in his later 70s. And he stands up and he's got, he's actually got like a PowerPoint slideshow. And so he gets up and he talks about uh, my girlfriend's recently deceased grandfather for probably 35 seconds. And then he proceeds <laughs> okay. to spend the next 20 minutes showing vacation slides and talking all about his family, talking about each of his kids, talking about their grandkids, talking about what their grandkids like to do. What, did I mean? I I don't want to uh, shame a silver shame. He's great. an old person. <laughs> I don't want to silver shame this guy, uh, especially in his time of grief. But was oh, he, he didn't at, seem griefy. Was he at least like trying to tie this into look at the legacy of this man? He, he, his words when he launched into the thirty minutes of talking about his family was. Now, maybe some of you don't know who I am, so here's a little background on that. And so in the process <laughs> okay. of all of these pictures from everyone's different school plays and the wedding that mm. he went to with his ex-wife ten years ago and all of that, uh, he shows pictures from their trip to England. Here's here, We flew Virgin America. Here's a picture of the plane we flew on. We flew okay. in first class. Here's a picture of the seats that we got that converted into full beds, etc., etc., etc. All these details about everything. Uh, the whole time sitting two feet away from the widow who just lost her husband. Jeez. So, but with the, the coup de gras, the culminate, well, it's not the coup de gras. The piece, the piece de resistance, <laughs> the Truman does not speak French of this whole situation is, uh, he's taught, he is entered, you know, chapter 17 of this slideshow mm -hmm. and he's talking now about one of his granddaughters who's an aspiring actress. Yeah. And so the final piece of this puzzle is he shows a video he shot of his granddaughter doing her Andy Rooney impression. Oh my god. <laughs> his his 17-year-old granddaughter like a, okay, in this video by the way, 5 minutes long this video of her doing this Andy Rooney impression. <laughs> it does not go over well in this funeral type atmosphere. Yeah. But so I had it just it it raises a lot of questions for me because a what 17-year-old is like Binge watching old sixty minutes tapes and yeah. knows well, Andy Rooney. Besides Truman Caps. Well, yeah, now, now, <laughs> now, now, Landon, listen. Back, back in, back in my day, back in a time, in a place, in a day, in a moment in time. Yes, Andy Rooney was alive when I was her age, so I at least I got I, I had I had Rooney exposure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But so that was the first thing that kind of that that stuck out to me about it was that how does this teenage girl even know? Sure. And the second thing she listens to grunt work apparently. I, I guess so. Because <laughs> yeah. that's we're really opening up Andy Rooney to a new generation yes. of people here on this podcast. Uh, no, but the the thing that really I noticed about it was that her her Andy Rooney was so bad, Landon. Oh no, it was garbage. And I know that my Rooney isn't perfect. <laughs> I know, I know there are many people who do better Roonies than yeah. me. Elliot Kalin on the mm. Flophouse does a good Rooney. 
Mike Nelson on Mystery Science Theater probably Rooney's better than anyone else on Earth. I think but... Rooney Mara probably does the best impression <laughs> of herself, not Andy Rooney. No, but she's such a good actress, though. She probably could do Andy Rooney. <laughs> you know what I like? Is this what... Is, that what she's, is she British? No, she's not is at she, all. Is she American? She's American, yeah. Oh, okay. Is she Canadian? She's... Uh... Sometimes Sometimes they trick you. Sometimes you no. think Ryan Stiles is Canadian and then he's from <laughs> Seattle. Uh, no. I, I don't know. I guess... All I'm trying to say is her her Rooney impression was just her talking in kind of a funny voice and just complaining about things, but not yeah. even complaining in the way that Andy Rooney complained. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, if you're going to hijack a funeral to show a video of your granddaughter doing an impression of Andy Rooney, maybe maybe have it be a good impression. That's all I'm saying. And I would drop the mic if it wasn't rather expensive. <laughs> and currently recording into our podcast listeners' ears. I, I would drop the mic if I didn't have wouldn't then have to edit the sound <laughs> of me dropping it. So there you go. It's all yeah. Okay. Well, um, so I've successfully delayed us from talking about the thing that this show is about. But that it's true, me. but you know what? There is an awful lot of uh home movies to be talked about in this episode. True. True. And <laughs> And also, just one last thing, and then we will get on, okay. on track. I was telling my girlfriend after that, mm-hmm. oh my god, this that was so funny how that guy hijacked your grandfather's funeral. I have to talk about this on Grunt Work. That's so relevant. And my girlfriend was like, wait, how is that relevant? And I say, oh, well, I do Andy <laughs> Rooney impressions on the show sometimes. And she says, but how is that relevant to home improvement? And I say, oh, well, it's the stupid bullshit part of our show. <laughs> Anyway. And thus ended the functional relationship that Truman is in. <laughs> and, and now it's no longer strange. Now our relationship is dysfunctional and it all makes perfect sense. <laughs> oh my goodness. So Landon, yes. enough enough about me and, and my, my functional slash dysfunctional relationship. Why don't you tell me about Tim Taylor and his functional slash dysfunctional relationship with his friend and coworker? I will. Uh, and what I will attempt to do as a concise synopsis here... Uh-huh. Of this week's episode. Um, Thank you for telling me what you were going to do. <laughs> uh, okay, so, uh, uh-oh. Uh-oh! Mark, <laughs> Mark has uh, the chicken pox. Oh, no. And My Tim, least favorite pox. I know. Tim uh, Tim has never had them, so uh, Jill packs his bags and sends him off to stay with Al for a few days. <laughs> Uh, Tim, however, finds this to be quite a chore, especially considering Al's overzealousness for planned meals and activities. <laughs> Uh, after one night of watching Al's home movies, Tim is ready to make a move into a hotel, uh, but he's afraid that he's going to hurt Al's feelings. This is ultimately very moot because on Tool Time, uh, Tim plays a guest <laughs> plays a game with his guests Mario and Michael Andretti to guess the sounds of revving engines, uh, and he pranks Al by including a recording of his snoring. Solid classic Tim bit, classic move. Uh, Al expresses his upsettiness <laughs> to Tim. You're on grammar work. The uh, show about Kelsey Grammar. <laughs> oh shit! I'm sorry. I want to do another. Okay, I have an idea for a podcast after this. Go on, please. He uh, back at home. He expresses his uh, upsettiness to Tim, and uh, which leads to a brief row. Uh, row, row. I think it's you... I think it's a row. I, appre- a row. I appreciate you getting the uh, the vocabulary words in here. The SAT prep, though. <laughs> I, I think row is what it is. Because yeah, upsettingness is definitely on the SAT. <laughs> to which Tim apologizes and helps uh, mend by putting in a good word with Al's neighbor who has a crush on him. Uh, we end with Tim happy back at home with Jill finally getting some dang darn rest. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Boomhauer from King of the Hill, for. Uh... <laughs> Fitting that in. Uh, yeah, I I have to say, 
I have been waiting a long time to see Al's apartment. And oh, and do we ever? Man, I like I it's it's gonna it's everything in my power to talk about the Andretti brothers or the yes. chicken pox when all I really want to discuss is Al's apartment and then <laughs> the choices made by Al and the set designers and the script writers. Oh, goodness gracious. I've got some uh, some lists for us here. Um, well, but this, let's start at the beginning and we'll get there in, yeah, in due time. Yeah, a very good place to start. Uh, <laughs> so let's start with the opening credits, though, of the show. Yes. Something changed. They pulled the rug out from under us here. <laughs> it was it was a little jarring. They, they it's like the the song is different, and Landon and I, who have listened to the song mm-hmm. ten billion times, cannot put our finger on how it's different. But I they changed something. Think it's more guitar heavy. I think it's a new guitar it's recording. Like a, it's a less grindy guitar, and I think there is no flute. There's no pan flute in it. Anymore. No, no. I didn't. I think it's, I heard flute at the beginning. Did Because I always, I because I know I heard flute because whenever I hear oh, the I flute from true. it, I want to whistle along with it, and I always tell myself, "No, don't. You're a guest <laughs> in someone's home right now." I guess that's true because there is that that one melody that can only be played on flute. Do, 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 yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what a flute sounds like too. That's my. That's more of my, what my grandpa sounded like when he was walking through the mall too. That's that's just that's just an excerpt from my scat singing album uh truman scats which is also the name of a german porn uh, that i did not endorse <laughs> oh yeah but the the theme song is is a little bit different uh it was shorter too it didn't have the credits for all the kids and, oh yeah uh it just went from tim uh patricia richardson richard karn and El- earl hinman i, I don't even well, know if earl hinman was in it i think they had all three of the boys on screen at once when their credits came along instead of each one getting their mm. own thing of swinging on a rope or having kalk splooged out behind them or whatever <laughs> right well it's i think maybe interesting to note too that uh i wonder if they did that because zachary ty Bryan isn't even in this episode Oh yeah, you're right. He doesn't make a single appearance. Well, because he I, then maybe that was in his contract because he had to dress up like Raggedy Andy in the last episode. It's like, okay, we'll give you a day <laughs> a week off. off yeah. We'll give you a free backwards baseball cap and send you to the arcade <laughs> with a bucket full of quarters to uh, oh. go play with John Connor. You can uh, keep that uh, Benford sports ball <laughs> after we wrap. Uh, hey, hey, I mean, what's the price of dignity? It's worth exactly one Benford sports ball. <laughs> Also, yeah. uh, one of the biggest changes is for for so long, or at least, this, I guess this started like halfway through season one, or maybe at the beginning of season two, when the when the opening credits end, the whole thing rolls up. Yeah, I think that we, was a season two thing. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing rolls up and here, <laughs> and, and, and at long last, the producers have decided maybe that's not necessary to make Home Improvement a good show. I can guarantee you that is not the case. Uh, it will come back. And come back with a vengeance. Uh, I think it was just cut for time. So you think it'll cut like like you say that because you you remember and you know, or you just because this show hurts yeah, me because... every time I try to make a prediction about it. <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay, that's good. <laughs> uh, no, I definitely like I, that. Would not have stuck out in my mind the 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 end of the credits where it rolls up and then they all scream. Um, if it had only been six episodes, yeah. that is definitely a, a season-wide or at least a series-wide uh, thing. So for, for like eight years, they were like, America needs this at the end of the opening credits. <laughs> yes. We, we need to, Except we, for the shortened episodes. We need to imply not only that the entire world of the opening credits is a blueprint that can roll up, but also that once it's rolled up, the people trapped inside it can only scream in anguish and fear as they drop into the void. That's <laughs> true. what they've put in front of us. Yes, exactly. 
It's a met- uh, metaphor for life, I yeah, guess. Isn't it? Uh, let's get into this episode. We can't wait yeah, any Yeah, longer. okay, we cannot. We cannot. We're at the cold open, which takes place on Tool Time yet again. Yes. And uh, what do we got? Take us through this. Well, it's the uh, it's the Tool Time salute <laughs> to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> marry me to to lubricants and uh as as we so artfully replicated here instead of the pew noise when they salute now it makes a squishy luby noise yeah don't say that truman <laughs> uh and so i'm gonna trust you to intersperse uh luby noises throughout this entire episode Whenever a joke doesn't land, just put in a. Oh God! Oh, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't like the joke. Okay, well, add a gross noise. That's gonna make you laugh. It does for me. It works for clowns, I suppose. So uh, it's it per the salute to lubricant. Well, first they start by announcing that Mario Andretti and his son Cletus. Cletus. I, I realize Michael. I, Michael Andretti. Yeah. Okay, I don't. Again, if yeah. I knew racing, both of them will be guests later on. So they tease that, yes. and then per their salute. To uh, lubricants, they uh, Tim wants to demonstrate the way that the pistons work in an engine block. So they have. I actually thought this was cool. This is a cool thing that they did that I thought was interesting. Uh, they have an engine block there that is split down the middle mm-hmm. and hinged, so Tim can like open it up, and he puts his forearms through these large piston holes. Yeah, and then has, to show how how pistons work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then has Al close it around him. Now, but what Tim did not think of was was that. Because he's going to be trapped in this thing, he should not have spent the lead-up to this bit insulting Al's fashion, insulting Al's mom, insulting Al's mom's fashion. <laughs> one thing we know about Al at this point, it's never insult his mother. No, and and really, anything that you insult about Al... If, I, if you insult anything about Al, he will then tell you that that thing is because of his mother. <laughs> which, for for Tim, who I've, I've noticed over the past few episodes... Tim really is at war against just mothers of all sorts. It's like true. Grandmas, mothers-in-law, you got Nana Stein, uh, Al's mom. I mean, for, for yeah. all he says about masculinity and femininity being co-equal, he's got issues with people who make babies. <laughs> uh, very true, yes. Uh, but so Tim cannot resist. He's made all these cracks about how terribly uh, Al drives and how badly his mother dresses. So Al then locks his arms inside the engine block yeah and goes backstage and then tim is trapped there on live on live on the air trying to get out of this thing <laughs> yeah and, and so we cut to al backstage yeah. uh, standing by a monitor with tim's face like in full close-up on the monitor going like al i know you're back there al al <laughs> and and we get a appearance of a very coked out jerry Man, no, Jerry isn't coked out. Jerry is like, so? Jerry, Jerry is on like tinctures or like whatever kind of nuclear weed the kids do these <laughs> days. Like he is mellow. He's got his frosted shades That's a, on. That, the shades were the things that really threw me. Like uh, he was definitely recovering from something. I'm not, look, I'm not, I don't mean to suggest that Jerry's not gonna get coked out later in the day. I'm just saying <laughs> it's 1030. He's at a different point in his drug regimen. I mean, right. I mean, even Hunter S. Thompson didn't do cocaine and quaaludes all the time. I mean, he made time <laughs> for brown liquor. He made time True. for okay. Miller High Life. Yeah. He made time for weed. So it's just at a different point. But no, Jerry is not on planet tool time. He does not care. Yeah, it's true. That, he does not care that one of the hosts of his show has locked one of the other hosts of his show in a thing and is basically trapped him on live TV. He is just <laughs> But yeah, so he is he is living on a different planet. Jerry does not know what's going on. Well, the question is, then, what does Jerry care about? What does Jerry care about? Well, <laughs> obviously his drug supply. Uh, uh-huh. 
I, and we we haven't seen the the female producer in a oh, while. Yeah, I'm a yeah, little yes. worried about uh, 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 what kind of shenanigans might have been going on here. Yeah, yeah. What what Monica might be up to? Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> she may, maybe she's out buying them more drugs. That could be the maybe. Be or maybe thing. she's still at the hotel. Maybe she's like he's left her there as collateral. That, whoa, whoa, <laughs> wow, man. We were in a dark place already, joking about this man's supposed drug addiction, but now you've got him leaving his coworkers as drug collateral. This is. <laughs> This is like season four of The Wire shit right now. <laughs> Listen, Jerry runs with some dark crowds. I, I suppose so. And he has some dark frosted glasses. <laughs> uh, so anyway, ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, <laughs> the disaster artist in theaters now. <laughs> and yeah, and so that that's what takes us into the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, I did notice something in this tool time scene that I hadn't noticed uh, before. Did you happen to read the mailbag? No, I did not. I wasn't paying that close of attention. So you know the mailbag that Lisa used to pull out. Uh, Who's Lisa again? (laughs) I'm sorry. She she used to be played by an actress named Pamela Anderson. Oh, Pamela Anderson. Whatever happened to her? She's from America, right? (laughs) Um... Uh, we can go into a Pam's Corner in a moment, but let me, okay, so... <laughs> Anytime, place. The mailbag is positioned behind the, the reclining chair, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so that Tim could pull anything out. It is called the mailbag, spelled M-A-L-E. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, f- I feel like the, the next inevitable stage is that they, they just make it try and look like a scrotum now. <laughs> yeah, just, because just that is truly, that is draw a dick on it instead, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a dick and a bunch of a bunch of race cars and you know a steak. Um, wow, the mailbag. Good. Okay, well, good eye for that. And I guess good, yeah. good going for the lowest pun that you could get. Uh, set designers at Home Improvement. Seriously. Uh, yeah. Also, I want to note that Pamela Anderson isn't even credited on the show in the last couple episodes. She I, hasn't been in them, obviously, but like yeah. at least in last season, if she wasn't on a show, she at least still got the credit. They're not even crediting her uh, for a lot of these episodes anymore. You know, I, I would hate to judge before all the facts are in, but right now I would say that Pamela Anderson's tenure on Home Improvement ends not with a bang, but with a whimper. Oh, no. Well, in that case, why don't we open up another door to Pam's Corner? <laughs> Oh, man, we need to put some lubricant on the door to Pam's corner. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Pam. Um, I found kind of an interesting tidbit here. Yes. Uh, This is pulled directly from Wikipedia, so take that credibility for what it's worth. 100% credible. (laughs) Uh, Okay, this says, In 1989, Anderson attended a BC Lions Canadian Football League game at the BC Place Stadium in Vancouver, where she was featured on the Jumbotron while wearing a Labatt's t-shirt. A Labatt's t-shirt? Labret, Labatt's uh, beer. Oh, The gotcha. Canadian beer. Uh, so she's wearing the shirt on the Jumbotron. The brewing company hired Anderson briefly as a spokesmodel after seeing her uh, on that. Wow. So it's... Do, do you think... Do you think she went to multiple games wearing that shirt with that? Because that's the thing that people, that's the thing, there's, I mean, probably at least a million girls between the age of like 18 and 25 in this country who are basically doing, like, go Hmm. to, go to college sports games in a low cut top looking sexy, hoping to either get, you know, an Instagram fan base that they can monetize or, oh, put me on, on the chive, on, on. (laughs) Sports, but mainly boobs.com. <laughs> well, this is all before the dot coms, obviously. Well, I know, but that's like, that's, I'm saying <laughs> yeah. Pam, Pam Anderson's ahead of her, uh, ahead of her time. Yeah, she, well, she's a trendsetter in many ways. Um, <laughs> I was not aware that that was a thing, but it makes sense. 
Pamela Anderson invented the internet. I'm <laughs> calling it right now. <laughs> Take that, Al Gore. <laughs> I will say that this worked out in her favor a lot more than it did for me, who, as a seven-year-old, wore his Jose Canseco t-shirt to a Tigers game, got put on television, and the Jumbotron, and the entire stadium booed me. Oh. So. <laughs> oh, man. Is that, was that when you started to go bad, Landon? Was that when you decided, uh, you know, you'd had enough of this world? Well, Tiger Stadium is no longer standing. You connected the dots. But you, but you, st- but you are. <laughs> Wait, are you the one who demolished it? <clears throat> Let's get back to the show. <laughs> Alright. That's me closing the door to Pam's corner. Get some more Lou on it. Don't, don't wanna don't wanna draft to get <laughs> in there. Uh so from the theme song, we go into the kitchen of the Taylor household. The good old kitchen where food is prepared. Yes, <laughs> kitchens. This episode brought to you by the American Kitchen Council. Uh so <laughs> Jill is, yeah, Jill is packing Tim's bags and leaving them by the door so Tim can can just get the hell out of the house while Mark has the chicken pox. Yep. And she's also uh, urging Randy to go upstairs and kiss his brother so he can get sick. And they yeah, can have... she wants Randy to get the chicken pox because yes. Randy's also never had them. Yeah. So, uh, so Tim comes home and finds out that he's getting the... Well, do we want to talk about Randy's... Like, Randy is just doing a lot of Randy. jokes. Yeah, Randy. Actually, Randy uh, kind of made me laugh. Oh, a few yeah. times in this uh, this opening exchange here. He, I, I guess. It, <laughs> Jill comes in, walks in with the, the suitcase and uh, thing in her hands, and Randy just turns and looks at her. All he says is, don't run away, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> he really, uh, he, again, all, all the serial killer nonsense aside, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, has, like that star quality is just growing and growing. It really is, uh, yeah. You, you can, could yeah. even sense it in his confidence as a performer. Well, and, and I think that's why the writers are giving him these more and more witty lines yeah. that you can't, they can't really trust Mark to deliver those. And Brad usually is, you know, off canoodling with Jenny Sidarsky's thing. <laughs> you know, they uh, grow indeed. up so fast. Uh, so Tim comes home. Yeah. Sees his bags there. Uh, Jill tells him he has to leave. And Tim is trying to figure out where he's going to go. And Jill <clears> mentions, oh, I, I talked to, you know, Al called and I mentioned to him that you had to go somewhere. And Al offered to let you stay. Yeah. And and she says, he said he wants to do something nice because of that lubricant thing you did to him. Please don't explain that. <laughs> <laughs> the lubricant thing he did to you on, oh. right on the show. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that was hilarious. And then in... One of the fastest, it's not even a scene transition, but like Mark comes downstairs and we're just like, the scene lasts all of 30 seconds before we're ushered out to the backyard with yeah. Wilson. Yeah, which is also record time getting to Wilson. I yeah, think. I think we, so. We and right there. only one Wilson scene in this episode. Oh, yeah. But they get their monies, well, I guess it's not, it's not, it's far from our best Wilson scene, but he's yeah. doing weird Wilson stuff. Uh, w- which we have to talk about. Yeah. <clears throat> but let's not talk about, no, let's talk about it right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so... Al, well, Tim is pushed out into the backyard yep. when when Randy comes down, and then he's Mark. Ch- Mark comes down. <laughs> I can't. I can't even get the. I can't even get the the character names right. It's <laughs> this is the dumbest slot machine now. Mark, I just have, Randy, Brad. I just I just have to get one thing right, and I can't do it. Uh, Mark comes downstairs. Tim goes in the backyard. Yeah. Wilson is standing in his backyard. Yes. Uh, what is he? What's he got on the grill this week? Uh, he has got some grasshoppers on the grill. Grasshoppers and crickets. I gotta say, on a kebab. Uh, yeah, well, yes, on the tiniest little like <laughs> like uh, toothpick kebabs. Yes, I have to say, this is the guy who has grilled up squirrels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think raccoons also. 
He's he's certainly he's put leaves on his grill <laughs> yes. and now barbecues. I hope he cleans this barbecue because that's some stanky ass <laughs> stuff that he's putting on there. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's the trade off. Is like Tim gets his worldly philosophy, worldly philosophy. Uh, oh, oh God. Well, no, it's my... it's it's wordy philosophy. Wordy worldly philosophy. I am so shocked I got that right. Uh, that, that should be your vocal exercise before we record. <laughs> so Tim gets that, uh, but he has to put up with the stench of Wilson's barbecue. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's a fair that's a fair trade. What is the price of wisdom? Um, stench, stank. <laughs> that's the price. <laughs> that that's the that's the stinger for the end of the episode. Stench, stank. <laughs> Tim asks Wilson and says, "Hey, I gotta leave." Uh, uh, Al wants me to come over. I don't want to stay with Al. What should I do? Wilson says, tell the truth, Tim. And does he put it in a fancier way than that? Or does he talk about... I, I don't know it? because my... my I don't want to say my theory brain, but I was already speculating on certain things about Wilson that I kind of checked out for the rest of... I was a bad. I was a bad podcast host. I'll... Well, no, no, no. You you have to focus on that. Like I, you know, we between mm-hmm. the two of us, one of us covers it. Uh, okay. Well, Wilson's advice to Tim is just tell Al the truth. Tell him you don't yeah. want to go. What did What did you learn about God today? Well, it's not actually. About I ask God. that. It's I ask that every time new, I see you. It's a whole new platform of which to look at Wilson. A new religion. Uh, say has nothing to do with divinity. Oh, but a little bit of a cult, maybe. Oh. Uh, so Tim asks about this uh, delicacy that Wilson is grilling, and he says that he got the idea from his survivalist newsletter uh, called Aftermath. Afterworth. Oh, Aftermath. Which leads me to ask, is Wilson a doomsday prepper? That would make a lot of sense. Do you do you think he has, like, a bump, bunker? Oh, uh, yes. I, I Well, given, <laughs> given that he paints, that he is the world's best pumpkin carver, he cooks a million things, he has wolf's bane. Yeah, of course he has a bunker. I think, uh, yeah, I think he does have a bunker. And I think that, that Wilson as a doomsday prepper makes sense. I mean, why else? What, like, that probably explains why he has the place at Crystal Lake, aside from him being Jason. <laughs> right. that's, that's where he goes to whenever he thinks that uh, there's going to be a nuclear war. Yeah. So Valentine's Day 1991 was also one of those times, I guess. True. Oh, okay. Now I'm starting to weave this into my into the God theory. God is a doomsday prepper. <laughs> well, if he knows, say he knew that the forty day flood was coming, uh, and he was a mortal trapped on Earth or an immortal trapped on Earth, he would need a bunker in which to uh, save himself from the flood. So you're suggesting that Wilson, as God, is in sort of a, a divine quantum leap situation where he's trapped in an earthen body and he has to try and get back to heaven? Maybe? Uh, I don't I don't know. How did Morgan Freeman get back to heaven uh, after Bruce Almighty was done? I, I don't think... I don't think there was a... I don't think there was a scene. I mean, maybe he took that stairway to heaven they keep talking about, but... <laughs> I don't think there was. I don't think they the, the creators felt the movie needed a scene where they explain how God gets back to heaven. I think they sort of assume that uh. a, a divine incorporeal being can mm-hmm. just sort of get there. Well, I guess the, I'll wrap this up by saying maybe he is a modern day Noah, uh, God and directed Noah by being... Darren Aronofsky. You mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's taking all of these uh, these animals and insects. And creating a kind of arc in his bunker for some sort of apocalyptic uh, event. Okay, so right now his arc has grasshoppers, it has squirrels, it has his neighbor's cat, and it has uh, a, a porcupine, fake, a fake duck that he, a that he carved fake himself. Ducks. Uh, 
a porcupine he said that he was trying to catch. Uh, Wilson is going to make a fucked up new world after this flood. It's going, like Biodiversity is going to take a nosedive. <laughs> I'm also going to say maybe that snake from Wild Kingdom because Tim just throws it out in the backyard in a pillowcase. I, I, I feel like... I feel like the, the, the deleted scene from that episode is Tim throwing it in the backyard, shot of it arcing over the fence. And just and, Wilson's hand reaches yeah. up. <laughs> and, he's stand, and he's got the grill already going. He just catches it. Thank yeah. you very much, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> Pour some barbecue sauce oh on it. Um, that's all I've got for Wilson. But uh, Al yeah. also arrives in this scene. Yeah, so Al, who on the phone with, with Jill, or like earlier, Jill just puts it up there as, oh yeah, Al, I talked to Al on the phone, and he said, you could stay if you want to. And Tim is wrestling just with this being an option, and then Al arrives, comes running into the backyard, and he's like, oh hey, Jill saw me coming up the drive, and she threw your bags in my car, and I, I made you a key with your initials on it, and he's just... <laughs> he's so amped. He's so pathetically excited <laughs> to have someone stay in his apartment, and he keeps calling Tim Rumi. And uh, oh yeah, which brings us to the title of uh, this week's episode. Oh yeah, what is... It, it caused you physical pain. Oh, uh, let's see. It caused me physical pain. It kind uh, of did. It's called... A roomie with a view <laughs> to a kill, starring Roger Moore. <laughs> uh, honestly, that's a way better title. Okay, well, this is... Okay, then tell me. It is called Roomie for Improvement. Uh, honestly, man, I don't think... Well, mine was pretty bad, and also, I give this one props because they work one of the... 50% of the title of the show <laughs> okay. fits into the title of this specific episode, and yeah. I... I you know, game respect game. They can't all be. This is a lot better than than such titles as Groin Pains and Jill's Birthday. So uh, yeah, you know, don't get don't get so tough on it. All right, fair. Um, it just it uh, it rubbed me the wrong way. God um, forbid that should happen. <laughs> so but, yeah, when and well, funny you should mention that because Al's apartment is full of things that rubbed him the wrong way. Oh, is it ever? So. <clears throat> Al's apartment. They get to Al's apartment. The rest of the yes. podcast is us talking about Al's apartment. Fuck whatever your plans. Every are for other, this podcast. every listener, uh, you can stop fast forwarding. This is the point at which we talk about Al's apartment. This is when the grunt work begins. <laughs> uh, so let me let me throw out a few things. Yes, throw out some things that just happen to be around Al's apartment. You name those things. <laughs> uh, bongos. Oh, he has a, a pair of bongos in his closet from his beatnik phase. Uh, lots of ducks. There's just ducks everywhere. Maybe he's a hey, maybe he's a University of Oregon fan. I'm also gonna say we still haven't seen Alan Wilson in the same shot. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, well, wait. Are they both down? I guess they're, they're both in the same scene technically in the last episode. But it's the haunting the, of Taylor House. But it's the same Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Heat trick where they're never sharing the screen. At well, the same and time. we don't see Wilson. Clearly, he's wrapped up in money, mummy garb. That could have been Al Pacino wearing the mummy garb. We don't even know. Yeah. Um, okay, what else? We got some lion's paraphernalia. He's got like a little lion uh, stuffed animal. He, he has like a football that's also a drink koozie. That was like, I look at that and I'm like, at first I was like, that's dumb. And then it's because it looks kind of like a deflated football that your drink kind of sits in the yeah, center that, that of. You've like smashed your drink into the center yeah. of the football. But I can't tell you how many, I have a chaise lounge couch and I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting on the chaise part wishing that you had I didn't a have a drink in my hand because I can't set it down to get up off the couch. So the more I thought about this uh, this little drink holder, I'm like, 
That's kind of ingenious. Well, you what you that it was a full arc for you. It was. It really was. I, I just looked at it and thought that's dumb, and I didn't go any further with that. <laughs> I, I just wrote it off because I. Well, I, I certainly. I, I mean, if I were to have one, I wouldn't want it to be in the shape of a sports ball. Uh, but <laughs> sometimes they're called footballs, Landon. <laughs> sports trivia. <laughs> um, okay, but there is one item that. I have to bring attention to. Oh, okay. I Let's see if it's the same one that I have to bring attention it's to. It's in the bottom of this closet. Oh, there we are. You, you found it too? Well, what is it? Uh, well, say what it is. It looks like a magician's chest. Oh, no. I didn't it know. looks like the chest of Mr. Sir Larry. So, are you positing... You haven't, you haven't seen Wilson and Al in the same scene. You haven't seen... You haven't seen Al and Sir Larry in the same scene. Well, we did ask... In episode three of season one, whether or not Al could be Sir Larry's son. And 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 also, I mean, there's all this speculation that he's into magic. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. This is... That is good. So you're saying... And we don't know anything about Al's dad. Did Sir Larry die in that thing? Is that, like, is he... Key, like, has Sir Larry been let out of it? Is that just, like, he opens the thing... <laughs> Was like, Sir Larry in this episode in that trunk in the closet? It's like, Dad, keep it down. I have guests, Okay. <laughs> I don't want them to know that I still live with you. <laughs> well, oh, this does answer our question that he doesn't live with his mom, apparently. Yeah, I, I guess, guess so. that was in question for the last, you know, I think this whole season. Uh, but now we know for sure that he but, has his own apartment. But also, the entire apartment is painted teal or seafoam or something. I think it was like a forest green. Mm, no, I've seen some forest greens in my time. There's a lot of forests in Oregon. That's a teal or a seafoam or even maybe a periwinkle. But that, like, forest green is is a darker... Uh, closer mm. to olive drab. Yeah, look it up right now. No, I'll, <laughs> seriously, I'll keep saying dumb shit to like to to keep people entertained. Will you look? Forest green is not like th- this. Is like the color that a bathtub would be I in like right a now. Palm Beach retirement community. This is the same sort of color <laughs> that like to keep going with the Florida analogy. If you go down that to keep going, it does the, have wicker furniture, which usually accompanies Florida communities. It, it's like okay, I don't know if this is. I, I've not been to Miami, but I have played Grand Theft Auto Vice City, and there's a there's an area in vice city and grand theft auto vice city where there's all these old pastel colored like art deco hotels Mm. along a street that are all a bunch of pastel colors and i feel like the color of al's apartment is the same color as (laughs) one of those buildings in a playstation 2 game that came out like 15 years ago or in actual miami i don't know haven't been there well i'm gonna be very curious uh you seem very stalwart in your your memory of it so i'm curious what uh, whose color memory is better Uh, okay i don't have it in front of me i'll have to look it up after the show We'll post um, some gifts. There's a lot of good yeah. gifable moments in that too. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. Can I talk about the thing that I noticed? Yes. The please. thing that has been at the forefront of my mind. Yeah. Go for it. We walk into Al's house, mm-hmm. or Al's apartment. He gestures to the couch. He says, "You'll be sleeping right here." He gestures, you know, off to the side and says, the "Bathroom's that way." The only other space that's visible in the background is what appears to be Al's bedroom, which is connected to the living room. Is there a bed in it? No, folks. Is there a hammock suspended from the ceiling? Yeah, folks. <laughs> Al sleeps in a hammock every night. <laughs> and also, he and Tim are basically sleeping in the same room. True. Like yep. it's, it's He refers to it as a one-bedroom, but it's essentially a very large studio with a weird kitchenette. Yeah, that's true. One of those, one of those weird sitcom floor plans that apartments always have. <laughs> but, but a hammock. A hammock. What about Al gives the impression of being a hammock guy? 
that's a good question. I don't know. I'm a little envious. Um, I would like I... to sleep in a hammock for a day or two. I might hate it, but I'm at least interested. You, but, you'd, but you'd go for the whole day or two. You'd be in it for 20 minutes. It's like, my back hurts, but I have to give this the full experience. <laughs> like, I tried to prejudge that that football koozie in, in Al's apartment, and that yeah. turned out to be genius. So I guess I should just give it the... <laughs> I really need to put in my 48 hours in the hammock. I just don't think I'm cut out for a hammock because I roll in my sleep about every 20 minutes. <laughs> I, so... I have a lot of night terrors. A hammock would not be. I would just wind up basically strangling myself in, in it. I'd wake up like twisted around like a sausage casing. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like the idea of sleeping in a hammock sounds really cool. Like having a hammock instead of a bed yeah. sounds really cool. But that's it's be murder on your back. I mean, yeah, you're sleeping. It's, you're you're in like a curvy position yeah. every night. I'm also a side life. sleeper, so that would like that would turn me into a banana. Al, what does your mother think? Did your mom put that in? <laughs> I'm. It's way better than the cupboard under the stairs. I, I well, <laughs> yes. I, I guess. I guess there is that at least. He's better off than Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's, let's get back into the story of this episode. Must we though? There's so so much to say about this hammock. But yes, yeah, so they 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 go in. Oh, and, well, they they walk in the door, and also yeah. the, I think the first thing that Al does. Or, like, Tim is kind of looking around, taking in the horror of this mm -hmm. place, and Al starts playing some music for Tim. <laughs> yeah, Tim starts pointing out certain things in his apartment, and Al picks up, uh, <laughs> Gordy, he goes, he, Tim sits down and he goes, who's this? And, uh, looking at a picture, Al mm -hmm. goes, that's Gordy Hawkins. He's a world-class square dance caller. <laughs> I'm taking his workshop, getting in touch with the square dancer in you. <laughs> and then he starts playing... Um, the, the, a square dance record, which I think explains the 40 gallon cowboy hat <laughs> that he wore, uh, two episodes ago in that, heavy metal. And that's good. And, and that, which makes a cameo. Which makes a cameo here. appearance. Oh, well that, you know, that's, that's actually, that's really smart. He bought it for his square dance class because how do you, he would probably, cause he went for the first night of square dance class and he was like, do you, should I get a hat? No, probably no one will be wearing hats. <laughs> and then everyone else had hats, and he yeah. was embarrassed. So he, so before the next class, he goes to the haberdashery and says, "I need your biggest hat. I have to make up for the humiliation that I inflicted upon myself last time." Or is it the exact opposite? And he goes, "I've got a forty-gallon hat that nobody appreciated. What activity can I do to get the full use out of this thing?" I, I tell you what you do. You make a bunch of nachos. You flip the hat over. You put the cheese in the headspace. You put the chips around the outside. It's a brilliant idea. Oh, I want to see that Instagram video. Of, of me pouring cheese into <laughs> someone a... someone creating that, yeah. Into a really expensive hat. Uh, yeah, so we... And also, as he's playing this, mm -hmm. he, is, he is dancing around the room doing the dance moves as the square dancer calls them. <laughs> really cracked me up. And he's trying to call the moves along with him, but he's, he's always lagging a word behind. And so, is that good character work, or is that Richard Karn did not have enough time to properly rehearse mm, this? That's a good question. I want to say... That it's good character work. Um, because it's Richard Carr. Well, yeah. I mean, I pointed out what was the last episode where he had the mortar on his yeah, hands. Yeah, And, like, I want... And he learned how to kick a hammer out of his belt and catch it in midair. Like, I want to believe Richard Carn is that level of performer. <laughs> that's that's your Fox Mulder. I want to believe <laughs> exactly. that Richard Carn is the greatest actor of all time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's easy to believe because you look at him and it's like, <laughs> you know... I. When is Daniel Day-Lewis going to play Richard Karn in the Home Improvement movie? Here's the thing. He's been playing him all along. <gasps> <laughs> 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 
<laughs> See, it makes everything funnier. That's your way of suggesting that my extensive X-Files riff was not a good joke? No, I'm just saying it needed lubrication. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> oh, but so, so this scene ends with uh, Al saying that he's got some... Oh, wait, no, no, no. We, we, we got to talk about his neighbor. We have to I talk about his over Yeah. Neighbor. Cynthia. <clears throat> Cynthia comes knocking on the door looking yeah. to borrow a cup of sugar. Yes. And what does Al do? Well, he goes to his lazy Susan... He spins the Lazy Susan around needlessly. He picks up the ceramic sugar bowl and he pulls out a clump of several packets of Splenda that he has definitely <laughs> stolen from craft services at tool time. Uh, every day he walks out with a can of Miller High Life <laughs> and a pocket full of sugar. <laughs> it makes the high life go down. <laughs> pocket full of sugar is the name of his jazz saxophone uh, <laughs> debut album. <laughs> All right. Oh, we have fun, don't we? So I know that he also says a bunch of words to Cynthia, but I wasn't paying attention to <laughs> those. Does. I was mainly looking at the sugar packets. Well, he's kind of like stumbling over everything because he clearly has a crush on her. And I think he has a crush on her and is nervous because he knows that she also has a crush on him. Because we learn as right after she leaves and he doesn't make a move on her, Tim's like, what's going on? How often do you get a good looking girl coming to your apartment? Uh, and I was like, well, she comes over every day. Yeah. Uh, again, just proving that, like, Al isn't having any problem with the ladies. Like, yeah. I wish I had Al's problem <laughs> with the ladies. Al's problem with the ladies is that all women are uh, are just are insatiably attracted to him, and he just, like, doesn't know what to do about it. His, pr- yeah. his problem is, to, to, to quote, I think, Vince Vaughn in Swingers, he's just got these big claws, man, and there's all these beautiful little bunnies just sitting there waiting, and he's looking at these claws like, what do I do with these things? Uh, it's fitting, but I'm not going to... Uh... Right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, uh, what, an- what animal are you least scared of? He's like a big horse man. He's it got was, these hooves. <laughs> My God, it's just twisted. Anyhow, uh, so Al uh, <laughs> tries to transition away from this, uh, from Tim trying to give him some some crap about this, into saying, "I've got some fun activities planned. Uh, I've got some some tapes we can watch." Uh-huh. And Tim's real excited. He's like, he throws these out: Roadrunner, Terminator, <laughs> and Stooges. It's an interesting Venn diagram. Didn't uh, even say Bayonet Hell. <laughs> No, he didn't, but he did say Terminator. So this weird fictional universe, whether or not they have real movies or fake movies in it, it's very confusing. They might have a mix of real and fake movies. Remember, they <laughs> mentioned they mentioned some other show, uh, The Family Matters or something that the, one of the kids. Oh, the Full House. Yeah, yeah, Full House. Um, I won't. I'm not going to play the one the one category slot machine on this, but one of his <laughs> boys did it. Uh, but no, we don't get any of those three things. What do we get, Truman? We get. Uh, well, we get home movies, and I don't mean the acclaimed animated series Home Movies by Brendan Small. I mean home <laughs> movies of Al in the 50s taken by his mother, and there's, like, he opens the the space underneath his TV to reveal that he it is just wall-to-wall full of VHS tapes. All eight hours long, yes. documenting and chronicling his entire life, which... Um, it's mentioned numerous times throughout this episode that Al's mother recorded him on videotape. Uh, VCRs and VHS didn't exist until, like, the mid-70s. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say maybe it's a Benjamin Button thing, but I realize that's not how Benjamin Button things work. (laughs) He wouldn't be a child. I I mean, clearly she had to just port them over from, like, 8mm to to VHS, but... 
till. And, and it actually, the, the image on screen when he first puts one in, it looks like 8mm, but yeah. the sound is perfect, and 8mm doesn't record sound, which is yeah. why this is the worst episode of Home Improvement, <laughs> as voted by the Gruntwork AV Club. Um, but he, he starts playing one, and we get to see Baby Borland. Yes, and... And, and I'm going to say it actually made me sad inside just seeing how excited he is and also seeing how upset with this Tim is. Yes. Because Tim, earlier, a second ago, after Cynthia leaves, Tim goes, he finds Al's huge cowboy hat for some reason, puts it on, which <laughs> yeah. is a wonderful image that I love, <laughs> and says, hey, why don't we go down to Mike's Tavern and and go have some drinks? Get so stinky. He didn't say that, but, say, I, but, but they were doing They were doing multiple callbacks in yeah. one thing, which I like. But yeah, so, right. You know, Tim wants to go do anything, but Al Al says, oh, no, 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 I made something in the crockpot, and we were going to watch this. Like, yeah. Al just thinks this is what people want to do. Yeah. Maybe that's why his relationship's never... Maybe that's why Greta left. Uh, honestly? And let me say, if so, good. You know what? <laughs> Al, I love you, Al. Al, look, no one is more more pro Al than me but if your if your understanding of the world and society and and human interaction is such that you think people who come over to your house want to just watch all your home movies <laughs> like if you think that like if it's like all these times I've gone over to Tim's and he's never shown me all of his home movies what am I doing wrong like I don't know Al I, I'm I'm sorry I can't I can't be with you I think Al yeah. is in the wrong in this episode um I, I think he's partly in the wrong I also think Tim's a little in the wrong um I, I want to. I'm going to touch on Tim and his whole through line in this episode once we get to the end of it. Okay, uh, but I, I've got some questions. All right. Uh, one other thing mm -hmm. before, I, if we're if we're about to move out of Al's apartment, one other thing that I loved, an out of context line that that uh, tickled me, is when Al first leads Tim in. He's showing him around. He's bounding all over the apartment and 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 shouting out directions about things. And he points to the bathroom and says, okay, bathroom's over there, and your towels are the one with the matador on them. <laughs> yeah. I just love that. Yeah. He's got matador towels. Uh, which doesn't really fit with anything else in the decor, but, um, well, you, you know. You know, the, the hammock doesn't fit with anything else in the decor <laughs> either. He makes it work, though. Does he? We never see him in it. Fair. It doesn't do much for his snoring. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe if his uh, spine wasn't uh, so curved yeah. while he was sleeping, he would have a better... Uh, Opening to his uh, apnea, whatever these words, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's your windpipe, your, your septum. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so the, the key to curing your snoring: sleep in a bed <laughs> on your back. No, nope. yes, that causes snoring. I don't know. Well, okay, we shouldn't give advice about anything on this. Every time we try to give home improvement advice or medical advice or anything, <laughs> we just gotta put a disclaimer at the beginning of every episode. Yeah, don't don't listen to us for anything but advice about the TV show Home Improvement. <laughs> and even that, uh, take I, it with a grain of salt. Yeah, because I can't even get the names of the kids right, and I've been doing this for, for six to eight months. Uh, okay, so this takes us back to the Taylor home, and uh, <clears throat> we open on Mark, who is still sick with chicken pox on the couch. And he has one whole chicken pox on the side of his face. <laughs> but the thing that, the detail that I love the most is that they did to him what uh, I've seen people do to cats and dogs when they don't want them scratching at their stitches oh. is putting oven mitts Mark's hands. Uh, well, they, they really cracked me up. They put a cone around a dog or cats. <laughs> they, they didn't do that to Mark, and I would have loved that. But yeah, the, yeah, he's got yeah. oven mitts on. Um, Tim comes home. Then, like, like we, we, yeah, we're at the Taylor household. Yeah, it's it's 
Mark on the couch being sick, saying, I want to have ice cream for breakfast, whatever. It's it's a short scene in, and then and then Tim knocks the back door. And, yeah, which he still can't come in because yeah. of the chicken pox. So Jill comes out to the backyard to to meet with him, and yeah. he kind of laments his whole experience with Al, saying he can't take anymore. Uh, which, this is where I'm like, I put that a little bit on Tim's shoulders, where it's just like, you know, at a certain point, you can humor a man's, you know, interests, but... You have to put your foot down for your own sake at a certain point. You know? Yeah. At, w- at which point are you a are you a victim? Yeah. I'm, exactly. I, yeah. I don't feel bad for Tim having to endure Al's home movies. Yeah. If he, you know, gave a, a half hearted let's go to Mike's tavern and then nothing else. Yeah. 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 And then he keeps complaining too that like Al snores in his sleep. Uh, and Jill gives him some shit about like, oh well, I know someone else who snores. Yeah. Yeah. And and what Tim says to her when talking to her, it's like I couldn't sleep, so I tape recorded it. And and Joel's like you didn't, and I'm like you wait you took a tape recorder to <laughs> why why yeah, right. would you do that tape you... recorder would not be in my top ten things that Tim would have on him at any time I I mean it, you know I bet Tim Allen has a tape recorder on him now because he has a phone but in, <laughs> yeah, no right. but back then it's like he was it, using a Talkboy from Home Alone too uh, yeah. <laughs> Also, also, Jill packed his bags for him, yeah. not knowing where he was going to go. So unless we assume that Jill sneaks a tape recorder into Tim's bag. <laughs> she was pulling that move that George Costanza did when he <laughs> put the tape in his briefcase. He was like, I'm going to catch Tim saying something bad about me. I know it, and I'm going to use it in a future episode. And, and instead she's sitting there listening. And it's like, wow, they just they really did watch all his home movies. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the, I think the takeaway from this scene is Tim doesn't want to stay with him anymore, and uh, and Jill says, "Well, look, why don't we why don't we make a you know why don't we stay at a hotel together tonight? I'll yeah. have Wilson come over and look after the boys." Right. Uh, so I, so by the way, this is the first time there's been mention of Wilson actually babysitting. Yeah. For the boys, which is something that would have helped them out in Many times. in uh, in offsides when they have Sir, you know Sir, Sir Larry. Larry come yeah, but over, then we would have been deprived of Sir Larry. True, we would have been, but then we and yeah, that's a little too soon to well, introduce Wilson as a babysitter. Also, Wilson showed up as Wilson and Santa Claus in the same episode, so who's to say that Wilson wasn't also Sir Larry? Isn't Wilson all of us? So then Wilson is Al's dad. Because, again, mm. I guess if he's God, he is in all of us. And he does have a lot of wooden ducks in around. Al has a lot of wooden ducks around his apartment. So, maybe. But does he have his ducks in a row? Where are they just scattered all over the place? <laughs> no, they're all very mild-mannered. They don't. They get along with each other. They don't row at all. They don't They don't row. <laughs> they don't row at all. Uh, <clears throat> one other th- just just to mention, yeah. the way that we get from Al's apartment into this scene, uh, when, when they're settling in... I'm trying to save in, you for these transitions. No, I, it has to... We, look, for science's sake, okay. we have to talk about it. But we'll talk about it briefly. But uh, as they're settling in to watch the home movies, Tim's face turns into blue plaid. <laughs> Yes, it does. And let's just have a moment of silence. Don't lubricate our silences. <laughs> don't you make your don't don't make those stirring macaroni and cheese noises. God damn it! Um, from the backyard mm-hmm. where where Tim and Jill have made this plan to get a hotel together, we get a checkered flag transition to the set of Tool Time. Yes, also fitting. Oh, so fitting because the Andretti brothers are there. Uh, Father and son. The Andretti father and son. I know nothing <laughs> well, about you, any of the stuff people who watch this show care about. <laughs> would you like me to inform you a little bit about the Andrettis? They drive cars. Uh, Mario Andretti, the father, is one of only <laughs> two uh, two drivers who have won races in Formula One, IndyCar, the World Sports Car Championship, and NASCAR. Oh. Um, 
And his son, Michael, is also uh, hugely successful in his own right. And now he runs a – this is like way post-home improvement. Uh, he, <laughs> in their post-home improvement <laughs> career. Uh, I'm only mentioning this because it is fitting. Michael um, now runs a team of his own, which drives uh, his son, Marco. Mar- okay. Okay. <laughs> So they're like Matroshka racers, just like exactly. each one opens up and a smaller race car driver oh, comes out. Yeah, indeed, but they are Italian, not uh, Russian. Let me say this about the Andretti brothers. Okay, uh, father son. The, the Andretti. No, one of them is named Mario, thus they're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Italians. Well, I've already done some pretty offensive uh, stuff. Yeah, but yeah. It was so weird when they started throwing hammers at uh, <laughs> Tim's head, fireballs, and then one of them got that weird hat that made him fly. The Andrettis have. Zero charisma. Both of the Andretti's, uh, if you if you remember the Barry Gibb talk show on SNL, oh, yeah. how how Robin Gibb just just kind of sits sits there, just has nothing to say. His brother. It, that's kind of the Andretti's. Yeah, they just sit there, wait. Well, well, Tim and Al talk, and then Tim and Al will prompt them with a line, and then we cut to them getting yeah. the line that a producer fed to them <laughs> off camera. I will say though uh, that exact thought went through my head, but I still preferred them over George Foreman. I, I, you know, well, that's where we disagree. I preferred George Foreman because he was like, I'm not a good actor, but I'm having fun today. <laughs> and these guys were like, we're not good actors, and we don't really know what acting is, and we don't know what TV shows are. Yes, but their their segment was so much more fitting for who they are. George Foreman came on to talk about food pre-Foreman Grill and smashed the shit out of a thing of stairs now to be fair he was there to build the staircase and he's just so incredibly strong that he destroyed it and as far as the food he didn't come on the show to talk about food that was just what was on foreman's mind at the time but still why is foreman building anything when he's a boxer doesn't make any sense at least here they're talking about lubricant they're talking about engines they're talking about and they play a game with him uh with the uh father son with the andretti with the brothers yes uh to name that engine yeah. Uh, so it's all fitting and much more concise and succinct than this weird, absurdist George Foreman segment that they had. <laughs> yes, this this Dadaist George <laughs> Foreman segment where he where he talks about food and eats a staircase. <laughs> I'm gonna do a quick pocket grunt count. There were ten grunts in this episode, and I wasn't really like. I thought we were going to go zero grunts for this episode because it took until like this point for sure. Tim to. Grunt. I was gonna I was gonna wait to bring some of this up, but yeah. Well, well, no, there because I think you missed a grunt, and I want to I want to bring this up for debate. Okay, okay. Well, they're they're talking, and I don't know. Well, they're they're doing this, you know, competition over who can identify uh, mm-hmm. the sound of the engine. And I guess Al gets it right one time, and Al does some, you know, yeah, he kind of under his breath goes, <laughs> and then and then Tim gets one right and goes. <laughs> Back to him. Yeah. And it's not, and I understand your, your kind of gray area because it's not a, yeah. It's, it is, it's not as gravelly. It it is like a, it's just vocal. It's just, yeah, whatever you call that cadence. Yeah. But I, I, at the time, I wasn't sure and we had Mm -hmm. a debate on the couch. I think I agree now. Those are grunts. They do count. I think what I really wanted was for it to be a zero grunt. But yeah. But so if you're going to include those, then I have to ask about one additional stray outlying grunt. Uh, at the very end of the episode, when Tim and Jill oh. are asleep on the couch, or s- falling asleep, and Tim gives a sleepy grunt, uh, which you did not mark down. It's a single, uh, but it's sleepy. Uh, okay, okay, okay. 
I didn't mark that down because when I'm half asleep and lying down and trying to talk to someone, I I I make like that's just part of just like huh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I I do think the intention was it was a grunt response. I don't know. What do we do here? <laughs> I'll tell you what we can do, uh, just for the sake of time. Yeah, <laughs> getting through this podcast. Um, we'll say ten. Yeah, which is your, the number you had, right? Yeah. Well, we'll say ten, and, okay. then, and then amend next week. We'll go we're, back. We'll, to, yeah, we'll go back to the tapes. We'll we'll fill people in um, next week. Yeah. But I'll also include it on Twitter and our mailing list, which you can subscribe to at gruntworkpodcast.com. The disaster artist in theaters now. <laughs> And we will amend as necessary. Yeah, I think that's great. Cool. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, but so they play two engine noises, uh, I, I think, uh, or maybe it was three, I don't remember, but Mario and Michael both guessed them correctly, and then the very last one is the sound of Al snoring. <laughs> and Al doesn't take too lightly to this. Yes, because, because of course, snoring is, is a shameful thing that virtually no <laughs> one does in their sleep. Well, hey, man, we saw what Tim did to Jill when uh, he found out she was drooling in her yeah, sleep. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so basically, Tim's whole motivating uh, factors in life are a distaste for all mothers and for anything uh, unflattering people do yeah. while they're asleep. Just sleep shaming. Yeah. <laughs> Silver, he's a Silver Shamer's uh, uh, sidekick. He's a sleep shamer. <laughs> he only can shame people while he's asleep. It's a twist. Uh, so yeah, after this, mm-hmm. uh, Tim returns home to Al's uh, apartment, mm-hmm. where Al is making dinner and being passive aggressively angry in a stereotypically yeah. housewifey way. Full, fully uh, coming into his own as Tim's uh, work wife. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and having this kind of. Uh, 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 passive aggressive uh back and forth with tim about like you know what's going on he's kind of slamming stuff down and tim's like oh well why don't you why don't you have that dinner alone i'm gonna go, i think i'm gonna go to a hotel mm-hmm. and that just pisses off al even more because he's been spending time doing the dinner and like yeah, yeah you're right it's very very typical uh housewifey stuff yeah and and so al's <clears throat> response when tim says he wants to get a hotel is he's like okay yeah fine fine sure just do that and so he picks up tim's bags Puts them outside the door. Yeah. Tim goes out to get them, and then Al shuts the door and locks it. And so now Tim is feeling bad. He's <laughs> hammering on the door. He's saying, Tim, you know, no, Al, come on. Come on, let me in. And he doesn't see that Cynthia is coming to her door behind him. He's yeah. saying, Al, come on. You can't, you can't just do this. We've, you know, we've, been do- <laughs> we've had a relationship for three years. Come on. Tim suddenly sees that Cynthia is watching yeah. him and goes like, come on, Al, you got to just let me in. And Al says, no, I'm never going to trust you again after you recorded me while I slept. <laughs> or, or after you recorded me in bed. That's it. Yeah. And, and Cynthia drops her grocery bag. It's, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Tim, well, Tim sees her watching all this, sees her being shocked. And Tim runs over and explains to her everything that's happening. Yeah. How, you know, I've got a wife and kids. I had to stay here because one of my, my son had chicken pox. And and tell tell Cynthia like, look, Al really cares about you. I know he doesn't show it, but he just he doesn't want to take advantage of you. He's one of the sweetest guys I know. Mm-hmm. Please, can you help me apologize to him? So she goes over. She knocks on the door, and when Al opens it for her, Tim bursts in, and then with Cynthia standing there, Tim starts talking up Al to Cynthia, telling about how oh you know he saved my life on set all these times. He did this and he did that. You know, mm-hmm. the belt sander was out of control and he unplugged it at the last second. Then and then he says something like, and then there was this other time that that uh, that a nun was about to get hit by a bus and he jumped into traffic and pulled her out of the way. Yeah. And and Al at first is uncomfortable with the lie, but then he sees that Cynthia is yeah, very that excited. It's, it's about landing this. pretty hard, yeah. Um, 
And and basically, Tim culminates all of this by saying, without Al, I couldn't do Tool Time. And then Cynthia goes, oh, Tool Time is your show? Because clearly Al yeah, has been Al telling had... her you know, tell that, it, that it's his show. And so Tim looks at Al and looks at her, and then he puts his arm around Al and says, it's our show. And, and Truman cried a little. I did. Richard Karn <laughs> looks at Tim, and this moment is not played for laughs, this little set. He just looks at yeah. Tim and he says, thank you, Tim. And it really, it was great. It was very sweet. Richard Karn. Great. It's just so good. Where, where were the Emmys? Where's the know. Emmys? I don't think he was ever nominated. Where were the Emmys? I'm going to look that up. So anyway, Tim uses this as his excuse to leave at last. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, he goes out to go to the hotel and uh, as soon as he goes out the door and it shuts behind him, the first thing we hear <laughs> is square dancing music playing. <laughs> oh my playing. god, I love it. So, now Landon, here's what I've been building up to the whole yeah. episode. What this means is, <laughs> tonight, Al is going to bone Cynthia in a hammock while listening to square dancing music surrounded by childhood home movies shot by his mother. And that's a happy ending for Al. <laughs> Uh, and a happy ending for all of us. And a happy ending for Cynthia. And a, and a confusing <laughs> ending for Cynthia. Uh, here's the question. Is Al boning her wearing the cowboy hat? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm still like, I don't want to be picturing these things, but I'm already trying to figure out how two people get, get it on in a hammock. So then it's just him, him in the cowboy yeah. hat, really. Well, here's the thing. Uh, you know what? She has to know about his love of square dancing. She lives right next to him. She can't not hear it playing every night. Maybe she's also a square dance aficionado. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Um, but I somehow... Okay, just to wrap up this episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't exactly know how the hotel doesn't come to fruition, but we are in the Taylor house and Tim and Jill are curled up on the couch where... Mark and his contagious disease were just spending all afternoon. She says that he that the boys were better, but then they're also talking about how crappy the hotel was. But they, the way they were talking about it, they were talking they were going to go to like a hotel called the something, like one of those nice downtown mm-hmm. type hotels. But yeah, so I guess the hotel sucked, and for some reason they're sleeping on the couch. Uh, yeah, it's very. It was a bizarre... It's a very long, very unfunny scene of the camera just kind yeah. of floating around as they lie there half asleep, going as like, oh, so Tim, nice. t- Tim tells a bunch of jokes while half asleep about how tiny the room was. The room was so tiny, you put the key in the lock and went out the window. The room was so tiny, you needed a folding toothbrush. The room was so tiny, there was no room in it. There's no room for complaints. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it was a bad scene. And I have to imagine that that's like what they cut for syndication purposes. Uh, yeah. And But it did answer one question of ours that we posed a couple episodes ago. Is Tim the big spoon or a little spoon? He's the big spoon. He's the big spoon. Um, and then we get an outtake. Uh, oh, it's not really the outtake, but it's it's kind of like an extended or deleted scene. It's Yeah, it's a just, I think, honestly, Maybe they have rehearsals. Run- I, no, I think they just shot more Tool Time stuff than they had mm-hmm. room for. I guess they probably just shot more episodes than they knew. What yeah, to they already with. had to truncate the theme song. So. Yeah, yeah. But so it's just them talking about lubricants. Tim does five more grunts yeah. right here at the end of the episode, and that's that's kind of that. Yeah, much. but I want to before we end this, I want to kind of examine Tim's through line in this episode oh, yes. because it's. It, this feels like a very deceptive episode to me because it has a lot of really funny moments and a lot of great performances and details that are easily easy to distract you. But what exactly happens in this episode? Tim is forced to do something he doesn't want to do. He does, and then he hates it. He tries to wiggle out, and he does. Then he gets yelled at by uh, Al, whose feelings are hurt. 
but then ultimately gets what he wants anyhow. Uh, so I, Tim, how does this exactly end well for him? I mean, I feel like he is at every turn just saying, I don't want to do this thing and then getting his way. Uh, is the moral kind of like, if you get your friends laid, everything's mended. Yeah. I mean, if I were Al, I would still be hurt. But that said, I actually really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was fun. This was good. This, yeah. It was. Uh, it showed us some things we hadn't seen before, and it set up some funny situations. And yeah, I had some good hearty laughs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, very joke heavy. I mean, like yeah. written written joke. Yeah. Uh, especially you know in that last <laughs> scene on the couch. But yeah, um, it, those were kind of interspersed throughout the whole episode. I yeah. felt like. Yeah, and also, well, just it's just a wittier episode, right? And down to the stuff with Cynthia and you know thinking they're gay and all that. <laughs> there you go. Salute to lubricants. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you have anything else you want to go over? That's it, man. Okay. Well, let's end this long episode by saying the show notes will be posted on our website, which is www.gruntwork.com. <laughs> if you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it wherever you can. It really helps us, uh, helps others find us. Uh, plus, every time you share us, we won't record your snoring in your sleep. On our website, you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Um, which is the best way, I think, to get notified that we have a new episode out. That's my favorite way to get notified about things, <laughs> is newsletters. Uh, and we've been posting all kinds of cool uh, news and updates, uh, you know, a couple articles that we've been in. Um, you can also follow us on all of the social media sites, which is at GruntWorkPod. With that, uh, for GruntWork, I've been Landon Solano. And I've been Truman Caps. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see you next week. So we talked so to so strong. So strong. So strong. So strong.